This is Soccer News IV. Soccer News IV. It's in your veins. Brought to you by SoccerRom.com. From Bumblebee to high school to college to the pros, before the best coaches go to practice, they go to SoccerRom.com. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Here's this week's top story. U.S. men's national team is set to play a friendly against England in Wembley Stadium. While this is just a friendly, it does have some historical significance, especially for English fans. Many in England see the 1-0 World Cup loss to the Americans in 1950 as the team's worst defeat ever, and they are eager not to repeat it. It's also significant because this will be Landon Donovan's 100th appearance for the U.S. national team. And on the other side of the field, Donovan's club captain, David Beckham, has a chance to get his 101st cap. The U.S. biggest problem is probably at striker. Donovan is best as an attacking midfield or withdrawn striker. Clint Dempsey works best running from outside. Brian Ching and Josh Wolf are not in top form right now, and so the U.S. is left without a dependable, true striker. It will be interesting to see how Coach Bob Bradley tries to overcome this dilemma. The U.S. still has two more big friendly matches before World Cup qualifying begins later this summer. Over on the women's side, midfielder Leslie Osborne will miss the Olympics. She tore her ACL in her left knee during training this week. She's going to have surgery on that and at the same time have surgery on her ankle to fix some nagging problems there. Osborne says she hopes to be ready for the new women's league and maybe eventually get a chance to play in the Olympics. Osborne has 60 caps for the U.S. and has scored three international goals. Speaking of the Women's League, the WPS announced this week that the eighth team in the new league will be Philadelphia. The team will play in the new stadium being built for the MLS Expansion Club in Chester, Pennsylvania. The teams are talking about other ways they can support each other and the growth of soccer in the Philly area. While the WPS will start play in 2009, Philly will not be ready to play until 2010, so the WPS says they are still looking for an eighth franchise for the inaugural season. There's more expansion news coming out of MLS as well. The Seattle Sounders are holding open tryouts this Sunday at Quest Field. No, they're not looking for goalkeepers. They're looking for tuba players. That's right, the Sounders will have an official marching band, and if you can walk and play an instrument at the same time, you could be in the band. Again, tryouts are this Sunday at Quest Field. Drew Carey wants you to bring your instrument and a prepared solo. Good luck. St. Louis was rather disappointed when the city was not named the next MLS franchise earlier this year. But all hope may not be lost. Actually, there are some signs that St. Louis will get the next nod. The biggest sign is what Jeff Cooper did this week. Cooper has been the person pushing for St. Louis MLS team. He has gotten the city of Collinsville, Illinois, on board to build a soccer-specific stadium and has been lining up some co-investors for the team. He is also the owner-operator of the WPS St. Louis team. 
Well, this week, Cooper quit his job with the law firm he founded and the law firm that still bears his name. Cooper says he's done this to work full-time on finalizing the deal to create MLS St. Louis. Cooper says he hopes to have an announcement by the end of the summer. And several media outlets in the D.C. area are reporting there is a stadium plan in the works for United. The city council is reportedly preparing a bill that would let the city chip in $150 million for a new soccer-specific stadium at Poplar Point on the south side of the Anacostia River. It would be part of a bigger redevelopment plan. It still has many, many hurdles to overcome, but it does look like the city doesn't want United to move to Maryland. And this would be the first indication that D.C. wants to remain united. Let's get to the games. So far this season, D.C. United has really struggled, especially on the road, and their opponents last Wednesday have been much improved since last year, especially at home. So when Toronto's Danny Diccio stole a pass back in the seventh minute and poked home a goal for the Reds, things seem to be going According to plan, D.C. didn't let in any more goals for the rest of the match, but they didn't score either. Toronto wins 1-0. On Thursday, it was the new Quakes hosting the old Quakes, and by halftime, no one was really quaking with the score tied 0-0. Then San Jose, the new San Jose, came alive. Kai Kamara scored in the 67th, and Ivan Guerrero scored in the 81st to seal a win. Houston's Brian Ching did get one goal back in the 87th, but it was too little, too late. San Jose takes three points at home, 2-1. In Columbus on Saturday, New England and the crew looked like they were heading to a 0-0 tie, but just one minute before stoppage time, the Revs earned a penalty kick when Ezra Hendrickson took down Steve Ralston in the box, so up steps Charlie Joseph to take the game winner. But it was saved by Will Hesmer. Or was it? Kelly Dubé tapped in the rebound into the net. New England wins 1-0. FC Dallas had a tough weekend following the firing of their head coach and the embarrassment from that 5-1 shellacking by the Galaxy. So when Real Salt Lake's Fabian Espindola scored for the visitors in the 69th minute, fans started to get a little restless. Interim head coach Marco Ferruzzi made three subs, one of which was to put Dominic Aduro in for Abe Thompson. And it's funny how sometimes players can make coaches look real good. Aduro scored in the 83rd minute to tie up the match, and then again in the 91st to get the victory. Dallas beats the Royals 2-1. to one. Back in D.C., it was time for a rematch. Toronto was the visiting team for the second meeting between the Reds and United. Once again, it was Danny Diccio scoring early in the 13th minute. But this time, D.C. was able to equalize just before halftime when Gonzalo Peralta netted a goal in the 41st minute. Well, Diccio once again got off to a fast start, scoring one minute into the second half. Once again, D.C. fought back. Jaime Moreno scored a penalty in the 70th minute, and D.C. took their first lead of the week off a Luciano Emilio goal in the 72nd. D.C. held on to win at home 3-2. 
Chivas USA traveled to Dick's Sporting Goods Park in Colorado. Jesse March scored for the Goats just before halftime. Then newcomer Jorge Flores scored just his second professional goal off a header in the 79th. Colorado tried to fight back. Tom McManus blasted maybe the goal of the year into the upper 90 from 25 yards out, but it wasn't enough. Rapids lost 2-1 at home. Colorado's loss gave the LA Galaxy a shot at first place in the West, something they haven't done in the last two years. So when Kansas City's designated player Claudio Lopez scored in the 40th, LA was watching the opportunity slip away. The second half was a different story. Landon Donovan earned a penalty kick in the 54th minute and put home his ninth goal of the year. Then Edson Buttle scored his fourth goal in just two weeks giving L.A. a 2-1 win. Then an injury time. Kansas City won a corner kick. Goalkeeper Kevin Hartman ran all the way up into L.A.'s box to try to get the equalizer, but the cross was cleared to David Beckham. Three touches later, Beckham scored a 70-yard bomb into an open net. L.A. takes first place with a 3-1 win at home. On Sunday, Chicago also had their eyes on first place. Chad Barrett opened the scoring against Red Bull New York in the eighth minute. By halftime, the score was still 1-0. Apparently, New York forgot to come out after halftime. Chris Rolfe scored in the 48th minute. Then Quatamec Blanco scored a penalty kick in the 55th. Chad Barrett got his second goal of the game in the 60th. And Gonzalo Segura scored his first goal of the season in the 62nd. New York's Josie Altidore was able to get one goal for his team in the 74th minute, but it wasn't enough. For the second Sunday in a row, a team with a bull in its logo lost at home 5-1. Seriously, what are the odds of that? Let's get to the standings. Let's not keep you in suspense any longer. There's a three-way tie at the top of the East. Chicago, Columbus, and New England all have 19 points, but Chicago has a much better goal differential. They've scored 19 goals but have only allowed six. Toronto is in fourth with 14 points, followed by New York, Kansas City, and lowly D.C. Over in the West, everyone is looking up at the Galaxy. L.A. has 14 points, and they've scored a league-leading 22 goals. Of course, they've also allowed 17 goals. The only team that's been scored on more than L.A. is D.C. United. Colorado and Dallas are tied for second with 12 points, followed by Chivas USA, Houston, Real Salt Lake, and the expansion San Jose Earthquakes. Let's get to the games. Up first is the friendly between the U.S. and England on Wednesday. Kickoff is 2.50 Eastern on ESPN Classic. Wednesday night is the Lone Star Cup. Dallas hosts Houston at 8.30 Eastern on direct kick. D.C. United travels to New England for the Thursday night game on ESPN2. Kickoff is at 7.30. On Saturday, L.A. travels all the way to Toronto to face the Reds. The game starts at 3.30 on direct kick. Houston plays its second match of the week against a team with a bull in the logo. New York heads south to play the Dynamo on HDNet at 8.30. 
Real Salt Lake will play the San Jose Earthquakes in Salt Lake. You can watch on Fox Soccer Channel at 9 Eastern. And at 10.30, Chivas USA hosts the Columbus Crew. Columbus has a tie and a loss in their last two games. Kickoff is 10.30 Eastern on direct kick. Then on Sunday, Dallas heads to Colorado. The Rapids need to get a win at home after last week's loss, and Dallas is still trying to find their feet. The match is on Telefutura at 3 Eastern. That's all for us this week. I need to say thanks to SoccerRom.com for all their support for Soccer News IV. I'm Stephen Parr. Soccer News IV, it's in your veins.